like to talk and read all things books and mystery. Funny stories. The characters of youth always tend to be a sleuth. The Hardy Boys will do. Don't forget Nancy Drew. It's a clue. Hello, sleuths. I'm Kelly. And I'm Karen. Welcome to It's a Clue, a faux crime comedy podcast for purveyors of forged porcelain antiquities. Mm? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got some got some people that resonates with? I hope so. <laughs> Today, Kelly, we are discussing the clue of the leaning chimney. And mm-hmm. just as a brief safety reminder, mm-hmm. uh, if you think something is a cult, it's either a cult or a group of thieves and kidnappers who are doing such terrible things that being a cult looks better than what they're actually doing it's a fair point when when a cult is the cover story which we've seen now on at least two occasions in nancy Drew books when they're like let's be a cult to cover up our crime syndicate i'm like yeah. i mean I'm, something it, worse is happening it's like a busload of nuns driving around on a bunch of c4 <laughs> what I don't know. Like, All right. I'm just I'm cry- trying to come up. Yeah, it's happening already. This yep. is what happens when we record on weeknights after five o'clock. I love it. Well, I listen. Let's just go into the ponder thought. Let's let's approach our ponder thought. So, Karen, if- here's your ponder thought. Oh, are you asking me the ponder thought? Oh, yeah. I'm asking you. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I was going to come up with one on the spot. I had not prepared at all, but I got it's nervous. It's my turn this week, and I love throwing this your way. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> This comes from something that actually happened in this book, and I would like to know how you would respond to this situation. I'm ready. I'll do my best. (laughs) If you had just been on a super high stakes, like life and death sleuthing expedition, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you get get done with it somehow. You're still alive. And you have 15 minutes to get to a full wedding. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you got to get dressed. You got to, like, zhuzh up your hair. You got to do the makeup. Hate it, but yep, go ahead. Put your items into a clutch, perhaps. All Oof. of the things. Wedding prep takes a minute. Would you ghost this wedding, or would you do a quick change and make an entrance? Ghost fully 100%. Don't even pass go. <laughs> like, I would have been looking for a reason to ghost already (laughs) already just because i didn't want to put on shoes so like then you throw in like a high speed you know death defying clue chasing scenario in which i'm now also not ready and late and i've got a great excuse like you know guys best luck on your future love current love future marriage whatever but I've narrowly escaped death and I need to go home and write in my journal for a while. And I feel like that's an ironclad excuse to not have to go to that. Also, I hate a clutch. It does not hold my things appropriately. <laughs> a phone I, I never feel like fits. It's, no, I feel like it's, you know, fashion's way of telling me that, you know, I, I rely too much on things. But like, I have keys, I have a phone, I have a book, I've got probably a snack of some kind are you actually rory gilmore i'm you're rory gilmore of the two of us but i will always say yes of course when anyone makes that comparison to me <laughs> just <laughs> i just love that you're gonna bring a book to a wedding that's the most charming thing i've literally ever heard wouldn't you i just went to a wedding last weekend did you take a book 
I didn't, but I had my iPhone, which had several books on it. Same death. Same death. <laughs> had a Kindle in the <sighs> pocket of my black tie dress. <laughs> Got a Kindle in my pocket. Yep. Oh, that is how the song goes. Yeah, I remember that one. That's right. Yeah. It's usually the second song at a wedding. That song slaps. I love it. Mm-hmm. What would you do? Would you ghost? You would ghost. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Kelly, I'm tired if I have like an uncomfortable conversation with like <laughs> the mail carrier. I'm like, exactly. Like, Ooh, that was a that lot. That does it for me. <laughs> that was like, oh, I had to, oh, I had to assemble a piece of IKEA furniture today. It's done. <laughs> Listen, so, IKEA furniture is no joke. Okay, like everybody wants to make out like putting IKEA furniture together is, you know, as easy as eating a couple meatballs, and it's just simply not. <laughs> Slam dunk, false. Is right. false? No. Well, per use, actually, sometimes we're not on the same page. I was going to say we're always on the same page, but sometimes we're not. So it's true. Glad it's we're still aligned. Up. It's nice. It's nice when our ponders align. <laughs> I don't know. New t-shirt on our <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> Do your ponders align? Before we press on, we <laughs> should say thank you to our new Helen Corning patrons. Yes. Carissa, Lillian, Susan, Leah, and Eloise. Also, those are all very excellent names, and I want you all to be in a band, and I will come see you, because I think you are probably at the perfect moment in time to be the coolest girl band ever. I'm just saying. I would agree. Would they, I mean, they already have a built-in band name, too, the Helen Cornings. (laughs) Totally. the Corning Wares. Uh, Oh, that's probably trademarked. We'll find out. (laughs) You 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 know there is a band called the Corning Wares somewhere in Corning, New York. If there's not, missed opportunity. Just an opportunity. Or maybe they're the Nancys. <gasps> Nancy and the Drews. Nancy and the Drews. Bess oh and the God. Marvins. <gasps> Stop it. Stop your beautiful mouth. I want to I... be in Bess and the Marvins. Let's let's do it. Anyway, I have caused us to digress. We love you, we, new patrons. Thank you, thank you guys. Um, and yeah, just a reminder for our new girl band, you can go vote on our upcoming Super Sleuth book. But the window is slowly is slowly closing, quickly cl- the window's closing. So get in there and make your voice heard. Oh, yeah. I we don't know what will happen, so Yeah. I'm waiting with bated breath. <sighs> that was it. That was my bated breath. Is that what bated breath sounds like? <laughs> I don't know, man. <sighs> it was like a uncomfortable exhale. Exhale. <laughs> disgusting. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so what have you been up to in the past dose weeks, Karen? Girl. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I am retired. <laughs> so I went to two places that are not where I live, which is a Ew. lot. <laughs> Hate that for you. So first of all, I went to a beautiful black tie wedding in Chicago. Amazing. Had you ever Loved been to it. Chicago before? I have been to Chicago before and I love it so much. It is one of my favorite cities in the world. I did not know that. If you pressured me Sorry, and I'm said- off a sweatshirt. If- if, if it sounds funny, I'm just I'm overheating. Don't do that. Anyway, so Chicago. If I were to if I were to ask you what what, if you were to ask me, where do you want to move tomorrow? You can't live where you currently live. No logistics will be a problem. I'd be like Chicago, doy. I love it. Really? But then in winter, I would be like, I'm so sad. Anyway, you know, you just moved and you could have moved to Chicago. But I'm a mere four-hour drive away. I can easily access it. And for now, that's true. that that's shall enough. be enough for me. Um, nice. Do you know what is in Chicago that was a whisper from 
the hotel room <laughs> but a whisper uh i do not what what was a whisper from your hotel room the american girl store <laughs> oh karen oh my gosh it was it was kelly it was amazing it was amazing what i did you, what did you do there did i took tea? my 37 year old self into the ag store amazing. with <laughs> with my doll who has her nose pierced and Ooh, she's an edgy girl she's she's a scene a scene queen i love her <laughs> um and did i get her ears pierced there i sure did you can get their ears pierced Oh yes, yes. You can. Do they do? Do they do both at once, like they do for real kids? I don't know because they remove them from your sight while they do it, which I know from watching some very funny Instagram videos is because it is not a <laughs> gentle procedure. <laughs> they don't. They're want, like, first we just crack this doll's head off. They don't want <laughs> young children to see how the sausage is made, so to speak. So, um, and I didn't want to see it either. If I'm being honest, I know yeah. Pilar is not real, but I didn't need to. I didn't need to know about that. So, anyway, <laughs> lovely, delightful, AG Chicago. Thank you for the great time. If love you're y'all. listening, Karen would love to represent. I don't know what I'm saying. I'll be a an affiliate, an influencer. There you go. Yeah. An influence, an American girl influencer. <laughs> um, then I got back from that trip. I was like, oh man, that was a lot of like adventure. And then I immediately got on an aeroplane, my favorite, mm, your mode favorite of transportation. Thing ever. <laughs> and then I got to Nashville, which was a trip with my company, Libro FM. <laughs> mm. Ad placement here, and it was with my team at Libro FM, who are all just the most kind lovely people and Aww, we I had an off-site for a few days the highlight of this trip was that my coworker slash friend craig and i got to interview ann patchett at her bookstore parnassus books that's amazing on the libro fm podcast i'm so blown away by this like like i feel a, like i'm touching greatness just talking to you right now Parnassus Books rules. Uh, I want to go there so bad. Like so well curated. Oh my god, everyone must go. Also, the booksellers there are amazing. This woman who worked there, and I am bereft that I don't remember her name, saw a couple of the things that I had in my hand, of which there were thousands, and was like, "Oh, if you like that, you're absolutely gonna love this book." Like this woman had read, like literally read every book. And wow. pointed me like to a slew of what I think are my new favorite books. So, Such as, um, give me one. Give me one that you bought that you're excited about. I'm going to say it in recommendation station, so I won't. Okay, copy that. Um, my, what did you buy from me? I did get you something. And I'm not, also not going to tell you that because I want it to show up on your doorstep. <gasps> you're going to send me a gift in the mail? Or, or it might be in my hands because I can drive to your house now. <gasps> oh my gosh, that'd be so good. I know, I'm so Thanks, cute. Karen. Um, but the other thing that I will say, so we recorded this and the podcast will come out in, I don't know, a month. Who knows? <laughs> I'm a terrible. <laughs> when it comes out. I'm a terrible. So this, this is for the Libro FM podcast. It is. Yeah. yeah. And um, Craig took a picture from his perspective of me asking Ann Patchett a question that I have Aww. since seen. And my face looks like the actual heart eyes emoji. <laughs> I totally get that. I I don't know how you would have any other face. I'm looking that interview at this woman like she is like the greatest gift to the world, which 
it's possible she is. I would say she's up there, author-wise. It, it was great. Um, so yeah. That's so exciting. Congratulations. I'm oh, very thank proud you. of you. I fangirled really hard. Anyway, that's what I've been up to. Um, how is life in Cincinnati and Kelly World? Karen, I would love to tell you. So while you have been jet-setting about the globe, interviewing internationally renowned, renowned authors. Okay, jet-setting about the globe slash driving through the Midwest. <laughs> Listen, um, I when I wrote up my like update section, my first bullet point just says spider. So that should kind of like set up for you how different our weeks have been. I'm, but I am intrigued, and I it's, feel like when mm, you bury the lead like that, something great is coming. Always, it's it's not like th- this is going to be a really stupid story. I just have I I'm 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 soliciting. I need I need my fears allayed basically. So I was sitting in my chair in my in my morning chair. I've become very set in my ways at forty. Like I turned forty and I was like, I've arriven. Like where is my moo moo? Is it not a rove? I'm just may kidding. I, may I take my tea on the lanai today? Um, yes, you can. So I'm all sitting in my both. morning chair and I'm drinking my coffee, and all of a sudden. There is a spider in front of my face and Mm -hmm. it has just, I'm watching it just like descend from nowhere. Like it's not. Pause. Yes. How big? Not big. Like it (laughs) wasn't, no, it was, it wasn't big. It's it's not so much the size. It's the method of entry that was concerning. (laughs) It was like, it was like the spider had just opened a door from like another dimension and had stepped into my living room and it's like this isn't the dimension I wanted and I was waiting for it to slam the door back but it didn't and then I was like oh there's just a spider in my living room but like it wasn't dangling from any kind of apparent web um I don't think it had climbed up anything like it was just hovering, was it hovering? In <laughs> yes and so then I dispensed with it bad but- it just, I was like, well, that's not my favorite, you know? Like, no. I just don't, they shouldn't show up just unannounced. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, 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 if the spiders start using portals, that's going to be a real problem for me. Everything that you said just reminded me of a subtle knife from the Golden Compass. Thank you. Trilogy. It was very, somebody gave that freaking spider a the hot subtle knife. A hot knife. Yeah. Yeah. To slice through the space time continuum. Yeah. Also, the third season of that is getting ready to start. Ugh. So if you're not caught up on his dark materials, you should probably do that. That was breathtaking. <laughs> that sounded this is, sarcastic. <laughs> this has turned into a very different type of episode, and I'm living for it. It's true. So that was my number one update, Spidergate. Um, okay. Number two. I'm glad I just, you lived. I've, I've like entered... I've entered the autumn phase of my life, which is really my ideal phase, my oh, favorite yeah. phase. It, it's it's mostly the phase during which everything I do the rest of the year is more okay. You know, like... <laughs> what do you mean? Um, Like wearing sweat clothes 24 hours a day. Oh, I, I do that unabashedly whenever yeah. possible. <laughs> but like also in phase autumn... Now we also have the return of the Great British Baking Show, mm. which is the unequivocal best time of year. Fight Bless. me. Bless. Yes. Um, which then authorizes me to bake. Yep. So I've been doing that. Um, and then 
once you have baked goods, then you eat them, right? So then there's that phase and then you're full and so you take a nap and then you read your book and then you do it all over again. And so like, I'm just living my best autumn life. Um, that's pretty much all that's been happening with me. Oh, that reminded me that I'm mad at you. About what? I received a photo via text message from a third party who shall remain nameless of that some was baked. Mom, but go ahead. It was our mother. It was correct. Mm, yeah. <laughs> of some baked goods that you made, and they were so beautiful. They Thank looked you. like they came out of uh, I don't even know, like heaven. <laughs> oh, ooh. an angel's Man, dream. Major. They were so the. Why the are design you work because you didn't tell me about it and also because I didn't eat one <laughs> I was like listen <laughs> if I thought I could get you to drive down here every time I made a cupcake like hold my beer I'm gonna be in the kitchen you clearly don't know me very well all right well there's cupcakes here right now come on we are busy at the moment all right fair enough we have to talk about Nancy Drew but Kelly yes more important it's time for Recommendation Station, and I need you to do your sound effect. <laughs> yes, thank you. Recommendation Station. I have one that I alluded to from Nashville. I purchased it in hard copy. It is also mm. a hardcover book. It's yes. beautiful in person. I've had my eyeball on this book for a while. Okay. It now exists. It is called Sisterhood of Sleuths. Yes. By I'm Jennifer so Shambliss you this. Bertman. Can, okay, so... I haven't read it yet because I feel like it is our perfect book and I want to savor it, but I do have a description of the plot. Ooh, hit me. Okay. I also, for context, I think this is a middle grade reader. That's my guess on the age range, something like that. So could be wrong. Anyway, description. Maisie always assumed she knew everything about her grandmother, Jacuzzi. So when a box full of vintage Nancy Drew books gets left at her mom's thrift store, Maisie is surprised to find an old photo of her grandmother and two other women tucked beneath the collection. Like, can you even handle this already? No, I'm, this is wild. I know. Continue. I'm dead. Stranger still, when Maisie shows the photo to Jacuzzi, she feigns ignorance, insisting the woman is someone else. Determined to learn the truth and inspired by the legacy of Nancy Drew, Maisie launches her own investigation with the help of new friends, Nell and Cam. What they discover not only points to the origins of the iconic series, aka Nancy Drew, but uncovers a truth from the past that will lead to self-discovery in the present, connecting three generations of women. In closing, this intergenerational mystery filled with literary history, friendship, and family secrets delivers a captivating tribute to the world's most famous girl detective. Karen. Like, okay, so we've had this book on our super sleuth list for a while now, even though it wasn't even technically out. So I'm so excited for you to read this and report back. Oh, I want to devour it. It does seem like our perfect book. The book is so cute too, Kelly. It's so cute. Well, then, like, we're sisters. 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 Okay. <laughs> I'm like, no. don't sing too much. I don't know what the licensing fees on that song are. No one wants to hear that. <laughs> um, do you have a recommendation stage for us this week? Um, I'm tempted to just leave it with that one. But I will say I I just finished a book that I think some people who listen to this might like. It is called The X-Hex by oh, Aaron yeah. Sterling. I've seen the um, cover of that book several times and it's really cute and I've been drawn to it. I haven't read it. It's, I mean, it's definitely a rom-com. This is an adult book for sure. Like 
this is not for the kids out there. There are some, you know, spicy scenes in it. Adult um, themes. Correct. But it's it's super cute. It's about basically witches falling in love. Oh my god. So it's the perfect like Halloween autumn read. I love that. Lots of, you know, cider drinking and <gasps> kicking around in autumn leaves and kissing with mittens on and things like that stop it kissing with mittens on was ugh, i just felt a feeling in my body when you said that <laughs> i did gross <laughs> no oh god you have to edit this out now i didn't mean it in a weird way i meant it in like a cozy like oh, normal... oh like a little cozy fire way <sighs> i hate everything <laughs> well i guess i'll talk about nancy drew now that i've ruined everything <laughs> I'm sorry I ruined it. I actually have some very fun facts about this book this week. Okay. Tell me You're not even going to believe it. I, I, Karen, I never do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, maybe lower your expectations then. (laughs) So this book, Kelly Marie, was written in 1949 by quote unquote Carolyn Keene per usual. But Mm -hmm. I did some sleuthing of my own and we had some updated ghostwriters this time. Ooh, Okay. And I want you to know that I looked this up after I started reading it because I, one chapter in, said, this is written by a different person and I can tell. Absolutely. I had the exact same reaction, Karen. That makes me feel so much less insane because I read maybe two pages and I'm like, who in the Nancy Drew wrote this book? This is not, yeah. this. the verbiage just felt. Yes. Totally different. The like, lexicon. From page one. From page yeah. one. Yes. So yes. here is what you need to know, among other things. I, I, I may have more fun facts up my sleeve, but here's what you need to know about this okay. book. It was co-authored Ooh. by two folks, George Waller Jr., okay. number one, who I will tell you about, and Harriet Stratemeyer Adams. I believe we've heard of her before. Nailed it. So <laughs> this is book number 26. This is actually the only Nancy Drew book that George Waller Jr., was involved with okay. mm, a scandal okay i had a very difficult time finding information about this man online okay he is a ghost in and of himself the only thing i could find about him is that he also ghost wrote book number 27 of the hardy boys series which is called the secret mm. of skull mountain okay interesting so Nancy Drew number 26, Hardy Boys number 27. He's just like the mid-series pinch hitter. Pinch hitter. They throw him in and they're like, George Waller Jr., you got to like ratchet up the drama. And he's like, I got you. That's the role I want. You just want to be like a, the ringer? a one hit. Yeah, but you want to do more than just one. Do I? I don't know. I shouldn't speak for you. In the words of Kurt Cobain, it's better to burn out than to fade away. Aww. R.I.P. Kurt. Um, okay, Aww, second. Your <laughs> tattoo. Oh my gosh. Second ghostwriter, Harriet Stratemeyer Adams. You were correct. We know this name because Harriet is part of, of course, the Stratemeyer Syndicate that's responsible for all of the Nancys. Syndicate has taken on a new kind of creepy, evil type vibe to me after all the syndicates we've had in these books but go on i know well i stole some facts from the pedia about harriet which i don't Mm -hmm. think we knew before correct me if i'm wrong but Mm -hmm. and i quote with her sister edna 
Harriet took over control of the of whoop, of the Stratemeyer Syndicate after their dad died in 1930. I don't think I don't think I did know that. So these two sisters are like running the show. So <gasps> sisters, Edna, I know, right? So Edna was like the Virgo of the group. She's like daily biz ops. She is keeping Love the factory it. running. Yep. Harriet, our girl, dealt with the publishers and she wrote. So she wrote a lot of like the plots. Love it. But then the ghostwriters came in, absorbed and in. fleshed out, so to speak. Um, Harriet is credited with keeping the syndicate afloat through the Great Depression. Like Wowzers. no small feat because you know how much people love to support their independent bookstores. It's true. Am I she cynical wasn't, She today? wasn't fighting Kindle at that point, though. No, she wasn't. There was no Jeff Bezos. Um, and she also, though, I wanted to point out, uh, is notorious. Notor- that's not the right word. She revised both the Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boy series and these 50s and 60s revisions that we've been seeing. And mm-hmm. her whole thing was removing stereotypes and streamlining the plots and characters. Harriet. Good job, Harriet. Like, I kind of want to get a tattoo of her. She sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, she sounds pretty awesome. What and a cool and lady. I, I want to know more about Edna, too. Like, that's so cool that those two gals just were like, we're just going to do the thing. They did this for 52 years, Kelly. Yeah, that's wild. I We are not even 52 years old. What do you think we'll be doing in 52 years? This podcast, still, because there are so many more Nancy Drew books. <laughs> well... Someone should win an award this week. They should. And I have selected one. Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> you assigned that to me this week. Yes. So um, first of all, I will describe to you the cover from which we stole our inspiration for the one sentence plot. Oh, so yes. on this cover, Nancy is sitting in the, I quote, crotch of a tree. Um, that was Harriet's words, not mine. Uh, looking over an extremely tall fence. Inside the fence is a brick building with, I suppose, a leaning chimney. However, I will say, if the title didn't tell you that the chimney was askew, I would not have looked at that cover and been like, huh, yeah, that chimney's leaning a little bit there. Like, fire hazard. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. I feel yeah. that. Um, so that's what the cover looks like. Our winner is from Shauna, who said... While training for the next Suburban Gymnastics Olympic Games, Nancy discovers that not all chimneys are safe to scale. (laughs) And I must say, I particularly love this one because it implies that Nancy had to bail out of a falling chimney into a tree, not the other (laughs) way around. The guy looked at that cover and was like, oh, she's going to try to, like, leap upon the chimney from the tree. But Shauna was like, nay, nay. And yet, yep. Yeah. Was beautifully, the other way around. Beautifully interpreted, mm-hmm. as always. Shauna, thank you so much for yes. participating. High I fives. also want to point out that you have fallen prey to my kryptonite. I know. Which is I know. A competition. Karen, <laughs> I, I knew it when I picked it. And I was like, once again, here we are with the competition. Like, we're really showing our slips here on who's going to win these competitions. But it was just my favorite one. So I love that. You know what? You do you. Boo-boo. All good entries, though. All good. We're all winners. So, are we? <laughs> are we? <laughs> I didn't feel like a winner today. I had a. I'm. I'm tired. So I'm, I'm sorry. I love you. So without further ado, I've done something terrible to you. 
What's that? I wrote the super flat. The, the flask pot? I wrote the super fast plot overview. Uh-huh. I have given you zero time to see it or review it. Correct. But I read these out loud the past couple of episodes. Oh, Karen. And I want you to do it because I think you are so funny and I love your narrative arc that you provide with your dramatic it's gonna be encounters. It's going to be difficult to do. Totally so, blind reading, but I will, I will give it a shot. Kelly, I throw the gauntlet to you. Please lead us through this epic adventure. I originally intended this to be five paragraphs or less, and it is not for reasons that will become apparently clear. And with that... Super fast plot overview. Late one night, Nancy and Bess are zooming along some dark roads to get home from a charity rummage sale. As the thunder and lightning roar around them, they clip a man with their car because he's just standing in the middle of the road. Nancy and Bess jump out of the car to assist him, but he hops up and yells at them to go away. He also has a mysterious bundle, which Nancy is able to ascertain contains a green vase with a red claw on it. Bess recognizes the vase right away. Her cousin, Dick Milton, runs a hipster pottery shop and has had the epic vase stored there on loan. Dick flips out when Nancy and Bess tell him it may have been stolen, because apparently it is a rare Ming vase that's over 2,000 years old. Unfortunately, the thief has covered their tracks, literally, at the scene of the crime, and in addition to the vase, they've also stolen a small green jade elephant. This was also loaned to him by Mr. Soong, a retired Chinese importer who let Dick display the pieces. In speaking with Mr. Soong, Nancy learns that there are multiple mysteries afoot, such as rare Chinese pottery pieces are disappearing left and right in River Heights, rare Chinese pottery pieces that are forgeries are getting sold left and right nationally, there is a rumored China clay mine somewhere near a crooked chimney, maybe, that has the ability to generate some very rare ceramics material that can be used to make these phenomenal vases. Mr. Soong has two besties from China that disappeared five years ago, and they were in the pottery biz. Complicated much? Yes, but never fear. Nancy goes all around, including a spur-of-the-moment trip to NYC, duh, as well as to several social engagements and a babysitting trip. She also discovers that at the scene of the clay mine, there is an apparent cult of lavender women guarding the property. More on this later. Turns out, this is an elaborate hoax cult orchestrated by one Mr. Carr and his brother Ching, who has been posing as Mr. Soong's servant. They've been heisting Ming vases, bringing them to the Lavender Sisters' fake cult compound, and forcing Mr. Soong's kidnapped buddies to make forgeries of the vases using the magical rare clay from the earth. Nancy and Mr. Soong... <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I'm dead. <sighs> He's doing so good. My whole goal of writing this was to make you laugh as hard as possible while reading this out loud for the first time. I've been holding it together, man. Please continue. Nancy and Mr. Soong bust into the compound to rescue their friends and immediately get captured, and then they are almost blown up with dynamite in a kiln. But Nancy shimmies up the rickety walls and out the chimney, runs through the forest, summons a police officer, and the compound is busted. In return for almost getting herself and everyone else killed, Nancy receives a beautiful vase with a painting of herself slaying a dragon. 
She gives a kind of fake thank you speech and once again refuses to get married to Ned. The end. You are so wonderful. You are so wonderful. I love your writing so much. It made me laugh so hard. I wish everyone could see how I wrote this for you to read. I have lots there's, of things in all caps. Yes, there's lots of like indicators as to what should get the emphasis. <laughs> on on which syllable. On which syllable. Correct. I loved it. Um, well, Karen, it's time for general thoughts and musings. Would you like to go first? I would absolutely love to. I mentioned this earlier. But it was so apparent to me slash us that this book was written by a different person from Get mm-hmm. without question. I'm like, what What was the tip off for you? The language was just very proper. Mm, it was OK. It was very like stilted isn't quite the right word, but it, it was formal. The language just felt very formal to me for a Nancy Drew book and I also, I wish I could say that I knew this for sure. But as soon as I learned this fact, I was like, of course this was written by a man. And I I tried really hard to go back through my notes to pin this on a particular statement, but something about this book was so written by a straight man. (laughs) (laughs) So there was a lot of jealous Ned banter that happened throughout. With well, I guys remember, uh, yeah, I remember the other Nancy. guys hitting on her yeah. constantly. It happens like three times, like at the wedding, and he's like, "You better not go down the aisle with another usher, Nancy." And... I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That happens a few times. Um, Mildred Wirt Benson, our first ghostwriter, never did mm-hmm. this baloney. Um, anyway, it's true. Ned's jelly, which he should be, <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> I would be too if I were Ned. Nancy's the best. Um, there was also a very weird scene in this book where Nancy is sniffing around for clues in an abandoned like apartment or motel room. Uh-huh. And it was so at odds with what we know to be true about this woman and that she was envisioning things. Like do you remember what I'm talking about? They say uh-uh. she suddenly had a vision of looking behind the curtains on the curtain rod and secret letters falling out of it so she tore the curtain rod down but no secret letters fell out and i'm like nancy does not need to envision anything she always knows what is about to happen um that was weird but but there were things in the rolled up blind no but not but not what what she thought was going to be there yeah no it was like this flurry of letters that was supposed to fall from the sky and contain the secrets to our darkest desires i don't know i don't know interesting i just felt like there was some very florid language overall in terms of descriptors and interactions that seemed very much to me the way that male writers writing female characters talk about them i don't know i don't know that's very interesting i had not like not knowing that information i did not well you didn't know it either i guess but like i didn't pick up on that at all it felt very very different to me but I liked it a lot more. Like, oh. it felt... Um, one of my issues with these books is they usually feel very telly, not showy. Yeah. And this I felt the opposite about. Like, I could absolutely imagine exactly what was happening in these books. I was picturing what was happening without trying to. I love that. But 
maybe that's just because I was in a different headspace or something. I will say there, the, the police got a way, like they got a glow up in this book for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the police were on it, dog on it. So they did. They, yes, they, yeah. What's his name? Police chief McGinnis. Mm-hmm. He earned his badge in this book. <laughs> it is time to talk about our favorite parts of this book. Of which it's, it sounds like you have many. I have, Karen, I loved this book. I have few. So. I absolutely <laughs> loved it. Um, my like probing question for you is that a million years ago when we started this podcast, you were on a pottery journey. I was. And I don't know if you still are. Actually, I do know no, the answer No, I that fell question. off the wheel. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you just do a pun? I did. It was a bad one. I didn't. I, I didn't it. think about it ahead of time, and now I'm ruining the day. But so uh, my question is: Did the pottery resonate? Did it, did it revolve with you? <laughs> yes. No. Like I absolutely recognized things that they were saying, and it all made sense. As you know, the esteemed, experienced, skilled potter that I am, um, I was like, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. that all adds up with the four hours worth of education I have. Um, no, it was, it was actually very cool. And one thing in your um, plot that you talk about is, <laughs> that made me laugh so hard, the the magical clay pit yeah. that like, has the magical substance for the earth. I'm pretty sure what they're describing is is clay. It's They call it China clay because you make fine china with it. Yes. Okay. So like porcelain, right? There is a specific type of, and I don't, you know, I don't know a ton about it, but like there is a very specific type of clay that you use to make porcelain and it's very, very different. Um, so like if you watch the great pottery throwdown. I loved that show. The dude with the dreadlocks who made the giant pottery pieces that were larger than a person. Yes. My hero. And there's, there's been like six or seven seasons of it really um, oh yeah there's a lot oh, of i've only seen of it. one oh there no karen oh my gosh now i know what you're doing the rest of the month no there's like yeah multiple seasons um the last season or two the host is um the the nun from dairy girls i am speechless yeah. So, but anyway, they they do some some work on there in in porcelain, and you can you can just tell looking at them that like watching them do it, it's a really soft. It's a really soft clay. So like interesting. It's, yeah. Um. It's very very fragile and everything. So I think that's what they're talking about is like they have this natural naturally occurring, clay pit that is basically, material that you would make porcelain out of, which fascinating. Yeah. What and what's really bizarre about this? Because obviously the pottery thing was like I loved it. It was super fun and, and just different. Like it it's kind of fun that they picked, you know, like we had a whole doll themed book and now we get yeah. a whole pottery book, right? Um this is literally the second book this week that I have read in which China clay pits come up. What? Yeah, I, I mean, and I can pretty confidently say I've never read a book where China clay pits happen. Because I read the book two days ago, and literally that morning I had been reading another book, um, The Death of Mrs. Dalloway. Uh, oh. Dalloway, I think it is. Um, it's a Ruth Ware book. 
And there's like, you know, it's not like a big plot point or anything, but they talk about how the, the wealthy family in this book made their money from China clay. And I was like, what are the odds? That is it's, bizarre. I yeah. That reminded me, I also have a weird thing about this book. So Calloway's my, not the right name. The death of Mrs. I got to look it up now. Don't forget what you're going to say. Potter. It's going to bug me. <laughs> Mrs. Clay no. Lady. Mrs. Westaway. 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 We love Close, her. Though. Anyway, okay, so what were you going to say? Sorry. The the weird thing that happened for me with this book this week, my friend Craig that I told you about, who I did the Libra FM podcast with, mm-hmm. has a chimney problem. I was like, oh, man, my chimney. It's, my it's, chimney's on the lean. Yeah, and I was like, well, I may Here. have a book for you. <laughs> I don't wow. know that he's found any rich deposits of clay near his right. home but you never know man that's that's weird well okay so karen going back to pottery my question yes. for you is did this okay. book like light an interest in you at all to no do the pot no no she says i've taken one pottery class before and it was exactly enough time for me to realize that this was not my forte why is that i was stunned by how like, like how physical it was, like how hard you have to lean into the wheel to yes. like keep your thing from spiraling off into the ether. That is accurate. Yes. That shook me because when you watch people potting <laughs> on the wheel, <laughs> it seems so gentle, you know, it's like gentle yeah. and like tender and relaxing. Like, and, this yeah. beautiful thing is unearthed from your bare hands. And that is 0% how that goes down. No. It's like, psych, you are going to have lower back pain and a thrown out shoulder tomorrow. And you've ruined your nice pair of jeans. <laughs> you definitely will ruin your nice <laughs> pair of jeans. Like you should not wear those. And I can confirm, like I, the first couple of weeks I went for the full week after my lesson, I like my whole back side ab muscles were super sore from just like mm-hmm. trying to force this like, you know, pound and a half of clay into submission. Like it's yes. you know, it's not even that much. And then you watch people, you know, potting at the wheel, as you said, <laughs> with like, you know, twenty pounds of clay making yeah. these gigantic things. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I actually was just about like laid up for a week after a pound trying I to know. make a mug you know mad respect yeah it's very it's very physical but it is fun like and it's good um like it it, you know you i I don't know like it's it's good you can kind of work some things out you know some aggression do you have a lot of aggression no (laughs) we'll save that for the the therapy hour i'm very i'm very unaggressioned these days so okay can i can i keep going because i really want to talk about this next part Kelly, please. Thank I, you. We'll listen to you talk about this book all day long. <laughs> oh my God, perfect. Okay, because I love this book. I will say, disclaimer, obviously Harriet did not get far enough with her fixing of the stereotypes and the outdated language. No. Um, so we'll take another pass at that. Um, yeah. You know, not condoning any of that. Um, sign of the times, right? Not great. Agreed. I think we would do better now. But... Cops and robbers. Okay. Oh, so like okay. continue. Okay. I love this. I have I have I have titled this sec- segment Cops and Robbers, but <laughs> like the underlying subtitle is all capital letters 
forensics or like kind of so like while we're obviously not testing for dna at the crime scene i think this is the first time ever that we've had cops show up and like actually lend something to the investigating aka they dust for fingerprints and they look for shoe imprints yep Yep. I don't think they've t- I don't think they've dusted for fingerprints ever before. If I don't I'm not think mistaken. so. Usually, they, based on what we have encountered, they have shown up and said like, "You're hysterical, little lady. Mm-hmm. Best of luck." Yeah, or they go like, "Which way did they go? Did you fully interrogate them before they left?" Well, yeah. give us a call if you find them. They're like, "Thanks for doing our job. We'll see yeah. you down at the station when you've apprehended them." So right, yeah. You're but right. this time they were like engaged and involved. Now Nancy does a lot of that sleuthing herself. You know, she's the one who kind of figures out that like one of the one of the criminals is wearing like lifts in his shoes because of how the impression of his footprint is. But but we also have the criminals actively trying to cover up their forensic trail, as it were. So They're wearing gloves. They're wrapping burlap around their feet so they don't leave shoe impressions in the mud outside the window. Um, You know, we've we've seen them a lot before, you know, like use an alias or like, you know, slap on a mustache or whatever. And now they're a different person. But like, you know, they're actively trying to not leave fingerprints and footprints. So that Mm -hmm. was kind of interesting. The cops offer Nancy a job. I really think she, 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 she should take them up on it. She needs to be the boss, though. They were like, if you want to join the force, and I would be like, I, I had the same what? reaction. They, did, they didn't offer her a job as, like, the admin. They offered her a job as a cop on the force. <laughs> That's true. I think That's Nancy true. would rise through those ranks pretty quick. Without question. Watch out, McGinnis. McGinnis needs to be checking over his shoulder. It, he does. Nancy's on the I'd be rise. keeping my friends close and my Nancy's closer. Ooh. Um, oh. What? You have said like three t-shirt ideas today. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the cops offered... Also, when she's in New York, the NYPD is super cool letting this random teenage girl interrogate their witness. I thought they that was really that. nice of them. Like, yeah. that was like a very iced tea kind of move. Is that not normal? Like, I, mean, I couldn't just I don't know. stumble up to a actual crime scene and say, like, I've got a few questions myself, sir. I don't think Benson and Stabler would go for it. All right, well. But that, thankfully, is the extent of my knowledge about the <laughs> cops. <laughs> if I ever have the opportunity, I'll follow up. <laughs> but but these guys are like, yeah, sure. I mean, you can ask him whatever you want. I don't think he knows anything, but go ahead and ask him. Um, I love the window shade, the, the roll-up the roll-up crime board oh no it ended well oh, like there genius. was there was a genius. roll-up crime board but before that this author was like she's having visions of these things versus the beautiful mind triangulation that we are accustomed to from nancy mm-hmm. like i'm tying all these loosens together i know exactly where to look it was like she nice. had a, a vision you know okay i think you give nancy way more credit than i do like <gasps> but i love her no, I mean, I love her too. And I'm not, I am not questioning her methods. She's very effective. Um, but like, I feel like she's normally more of like a smash and grab detective. Like there is she's a lot like, of, there's a yeah, lot of happenstance. Just, like, turn things over, you know? And like, maybe I'm going to stand next to somebody who stands next to somebody who knows something. And is this like when you taught me what B and E meant? And it's like a smash and grab is an S and G. 
It it could be. I've never heard of it referred to in that way before. Going forward. <laughs> a smash and grab would typically be like, you know, like if you have a... Backpack I, on the front seat of your car in San Francisco. I'm not speaking from experience. Perfect. <laughs> That's exactly right. I was thinking of, you know, like a, a department store with a big window out front. But yes, mm. you smash mm-hmm. the window, you grab the stuff, you flee, right? And like Nancy tends to like go over and just like, you know check behind every throw pillow and usually on number three she's like here's the missing treasure kelly you do not give her enough credit i know she's doing better this is the second book in a row where our girl has come out swinging with a literal hatchet an actual hatchet yes like hack a wall down Mm -hmm. i know you're right you're totally right i'm not giving her enough credit i got so burned in those early episodes episodes books series um okay so we've got roll up crime board um and i mean basically karen she solves this crime using one primary key characteristic of the criminal as yet again was it the piercing black eyes (laughs) piercing black eyes (laughs) i'm like man I wonder if I would identify piercing black eyes if I saw them. Would I be like, you know what? Those are some piercing eyes. I would reckon. Or would I be like, yeah, I mean, that guy's just got shiny eyeballs. Well, and Lord help anyone else in the town with piercing black eyes because Nancy's going to throw you up and what? No, throw you away. (laughs) (laughs) Throw you in jail and lock. What is the lock up the key? (laughs) (laughs) I can't. I can't. I'm broken. Lock you up and throw away the key. That's it. Thank you so much. Yep. I thought Thank you were going to say throw you up against a wall. I was like, I, Damn. I didn't. I mean, she's Nancy's kind at her. She's core. very kind. She's very kind. So we'll get to that later. So anyway, those I, I just I liked this like um, early forensics move where I was like, finally, some actual detective work from the police. This is all very in character for you. Very. Um, your turn. Well, uh, listen. We haven't done real world. We haven't do done. It. We haven't done real world River Heights in a while. Yes. And this book provided perfect fodder. It sure did. For real world it with sure Nancy did. and Ned and Bess and George and all yes. of their cohorts. There were so many social engagements mm-hmm. in this book, which I. Had it's one of the reasons why I like the book. I know, and I had missed them because mm-hmm. we had strayed from them in recent tomes. And they were back. So very early in the book, Bess and George are going to shop for dresses. And Nancy's like, but I got to go get like a criminal. And they're like, but you could also go get a dress. And she's like, maybe I could do both. <laughs> Let's do both. How and she lunch? does. She yeah. does. She does. Effectively. They also go to like hipster pottery classes. Like they are living their best artisanal lives. Um, we also have... A new Helen in this book, which... Yeah. Fake Helen, not here for it. I got real excited for a minute. Did you? I know we call out Jake too much on this podcast as our Helen Corning bestie. (laughs) So we love you, Jake, but... Jake, that's three. Jake is the only person in the world that we have met who loves Helen Corning as much as us. So hopefully you are also horrified by this. But there was a new Helen in this book. There was... I, I initially thought that it was that was her married name. I couldn't remember, but her married name is Archer. And uh-huh. so I was like, oh my gosh, it's Helen Corning. We're just going because she got married, right? And I was like, 
we just get to go to Mary Helen's birthday party. And then she showed up and her dad answered the door. And I was like, wait a second. Have we been duped? And we were. <gasps> we're straight up duped. We were. This is a fake Helen, as you mm-hmm. put it. And a Helen has a birthday party mm-hmm. in this book. Yes. It's very which disturbing. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about how unsettled I was by this party. Go on. I well, suspect I know what you're going to say. <laughs> This is like a gathering of young folk who are mm-hmm. supposed to be, I'm guessing, still 18, 19, 20, even though mm-hmm. the series has been going for 20 years at this point. But we are mm-hmm. in the eternal yeah. glimmer in the of eternal series, yeah. being 19 years old. Mm-hmm. And it is specifically stated that Helen is opening her birthday presents and she receives a lot of beautiful lingerie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when I got the ick too. Who in the... No. Bess. Bess gave her lingerie. Bess would never. She did, though. Did she? Yeah, it was Bess. That was Bess's gift. (gasps) Hate it. Yeah. Bess gave her lingerie. George gave her a baseball mitt. And Nancy gave her a kitten. Yes! That was what I was going to say. So Mm -hmm. Nancy, clutch as always, was like, Mm -hmm. you know what? I'm going to one-up all of these peeps. I brought you a full-on baby cat mm-hmm. <laughs> on a satin pillow. On a satin pillow with parental approval. Also, my favorite part of the cat was Helen's response was, oh, thank you. I've been meaning to get one of these. <laughs> Can I say something on this podcast that I don't know if people know about you? What, me? This is not dissimilar to how your most beloved... <gasps> It's true. Arrived in your life. Would you like to it's talk about... It's not dissimilar at all. Would you like to talk about how Ollie, the cutest cat in the world, became your <sighs> I bestie? so much. Yes. Yeah, so quick side story. So my, my team at work... Okay, let me back up. <laughs> so I had been wanting to adopt a cat, a kitten, for a while. And I'd been looking for the exact right kitten. And one of my coworkers um, was like best friends with some people that fostered. So she was sending me kitten pictures all the time. And I was like, no, 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 no. And then finally she sent me Ollie. And I was like, that's the one. Like, put a bow on him. When can I pick him up? Like, that's the cat I want. And so it was It was going to happen. It was going to happen. And then all of a sudden she called me one night and she was like so upset. She was about to cry. And she goes, Kelly, I'm really sorry. But unbeknownst to the foster parents, that cat had already been adopted through the shelter. So oh as soon as he's old enough, he ha- he's already been adopted. And I was like, no. But I was like, that's okay. Things happen for a reason. Like, you know, I'm sure he'll live a great and happy life. And you are we'll keep so... looking for me to have a cat. You are so much more zen than I am. I mean, I was very sad. I've had a lot of years to reflect on this. And also it worked out well for me in the end. So... <laughs> Um, there might have been more wailing and gnashing of teeth than I'm letting on. But I was, yeah, he was the cutest kitten too. So anyway, um, she fast goes back forward. to sending me pictures. Like fast forward, thank you. Fast forward like three or four weeks. And it's like getting to be Christmas time. And my team show up in my office one evening. And it's like six o'clock at night. And they're like, here we we need to go ahead and give you your christmas gift and so they hand me this envelope and i was like why this is so weird you know and they're like just open it so i open it and it's a picture of ollie and i was like i don't i don't get it and then here comes 
one of them like through the back holding baby Ollie. And I was like, well, I don't understand what's happening. And they're like, the the lady came to pick him up at the shelter and took one look at him and was like, ew, no, he's not what I want and turned around and left. And no. so they called my friend and said, do you still want him? And she said, so we took a gamble that you would still want. Do you still? And I was like, yeah, I want that cat. So, yeah, I they um, I mean, he wasn't on a satin pillow, but I did get him as a gift. And- I didn't know all of this. Like. Also, you have, oh, he is such a baby angel. How could someone. Like, I don't know. I mean. Turn asunder. Are I you. Know. I mean, also, he looked like a stuffed animal. Like For anyone who's fake. listening, Kelly and Ollie are the most in love that we are in I've love. ever beheld. And it's pretty great. Mm. We are in love. We've been together for six years now, Karen. Oh my God, it's serious. Yeah, I know. I think, I think oh, it's serious. Speaking of serious. Maybe. Can I give one final thought on social engagement engagements slash Please. real world River Heights? Karen, it's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. Arguably. No, inarguably. I've changed my mind. It's inarguable. The best moment of this book. Nancy and Ned go to a wedding together. Yes. Thank you. Dates. Yes. Which is like kind of the most serious thing I think I we've seen them say, do. I was going to say that's a pretty big deal when you start yeah. going to friends' weddings together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the classic throw of the bridal bouquet occurs. Nancy did a full-on like I I just applauded this so hard. Nancy gives no bleeps here <laughs> about conventionality so everyone's like nancy they're gonna throw the bridal bouquet the lady the single ladies have to line up to catch it she ducks and covers essentially <laughs> and it's like not it and it <laughs> flies over her head to someone else and she's like oh god i guess i missed it from a woman <laughs> who we have seen climb up the side of a wooden abandoned chimney with nothing oh, yeah. but a nail and yeah. she's like, no, oh, she could have gotten that bouquet if she wanted it. I just have such bad aim. Not aim. The opposite of aim. She was just like, uh-huh. What's like, the opposite Ned, of aim? <laughs> a re- reception. I don't, you know what I mean. I, I do. I know. I'm trying to think of it. That's funny. Poor Ned. It's not going to happen, bro. What's so funny, Karen, is literally yesterday I saw like um, a reel on Instagram and I, w- I won't be able to find it again but it was this guy who's posting a picture of this exact situation happening like they're at a wedding and his girlfriend is like in the group trying to catch the bouquet and she's not like actively ducking and covering but like she doesn't try either and uh she does not catch it and uh then the guy turns the camera to himself and he's like a little hustle would have been nice honey (laughs) okay that's actually very funny (laughs) i was like oh my god it's nancy and ned it is it is i caught a bouquet one time did you really yeah i was i was also not trying to catch it and um i think it means that i'm never going to get married because it actually cut my hand open (gasps) um it was at my friend kate it was at my friend kate's wedding and she had done I was in the wedding and she had done brooch bouquets back when those were a thing. Yep. But because they each weighed, you know, 75 pounds, pounds, um, she had made like a throwing bouquet that she had attached like three brooches to. Okay. And 
she threw that thing and it was like we were magnetized. It just, it, I didn't move. I didn't reach out or anything. It just gracefully fell right in my hands. And one of those brooches caught me right across the palm and sliced me open. And yeah. And I was this like, well, a, that's a bad omen. It's actually and the that, plot of Hellraiser. <laughs> <laughs> that is entirely how Hellraiser goes down. So is, is, is the second part of Hellraiser when nobody at the vent on the venue staff would give me a Band-Aid because they said that was providing medical help and that I would have oh. to call 911 if I wanted a Band-Aid? I have... It's like, really? <laughs> 1,000 follow-up questions. But I'm also squeamish, and I don't know if I want to know. I'm so sorry. No, I just, I mean, just real stories. Real um, world. River Heights. River Heights. Best yeah. of the best. Of the best. <laughs> I, I will say, and, and I know that I am hard on Ned, but I will say I'm starting to fall back in love with Ned again. <gasps> the shine was put back on him? Yeah, yeah. I thought he was a pretty good sport in this book. Not in the last book when he sacrificed his life for Nancy to escape from quicksand. I like that. That didn't do it for you, but something about him and this Apparently. book did. I don't like a grand gesture. <laughs> <laughs> Good they to make know. me uncomfy. I don't like a grand gesture. I like more of like a quiet. A wink and a nod. Correct. An inside joke. Yes, thank you. I don't want a flash mob, and I certainly don't want to climb you out of quicksand. Um, before we move on to It Would Be Awesome If, Feet Kelly, any other favorite moments? Yes, I do. I'm sorry. Can I keep going? Go. Okay. These are going to be rapid fire. We're not going to spend a ton of time, but um, there is a moment where Nancy is in New York and they're looking for this criminal and they go into a restaurant and look for him and they are doing a classic Scooby-Doo slash Golden Girls on Patrol moment of like looking through palm fronds. Loved like, it. I actually saw this on an episode of Three's Company on more, more than one occasion. Like, I, it might have been in the credits, okay? Um, we have a hot pursuit of a criminal through the subway. Loved that also. Mm -hmm. Very unrealistic, but whatever. Like, if Nancy didn't have a ticket to get on that subway, she was not going to catch up with that guy. But things work out for Nancy. A token. Um, there weren't tickets. There were tokens. tokens. She had to pause and get a token for the subway. Okay. Yes. At one point, Nancy calls her aunt Darling. Anybody else clock that? Like Eloise? I always forget. It's like L something. It is. Yes. It is Eloise. Yeah. She's like, oh, darling, I have to be going. That was one yeah. of the things I think that leapt out to me. Yeah. As a man wrote this mm. book. I was like, this isn't actually how we speak to each other, but. Yeah. I wouldn't call my aunt Darling. Oh, darling. I call you Darling sometimes. You do, and it's sweet. But just because it makes you uncomfortable because it's a grand gesture. Because <laughs> it feels it feels like you should give me flowers right afterwards. I don't like it. Um, okay, skim, Okay, Mrs. Gruen and Togo are back in the action again. Yes, Very they happy are. to see that. Um, we have a geologist, Miles Monroe, who must live next to the opera singer and the famous painter and the other, like, millions of famous people in River Heights because he is such a well-known geologist that he gets identity frauded. I, okay, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. That was you. such a dumb plot line, by the way. I just now glanced at a note that you wrote for this. Yeah. And it says, Nancy does a reverse Santa. 
And I have no idea. This is the first time in the history of this podcast that I'm like, don't know what that means. You don't know what a reverse Santa is? You took a gift away? You climb up the chimney. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you the best? You really did. It was a kiln, first of all, but it was a leading chimney. Oh, my God. A reverse Santa. And, And all the gifts were gone when she popped out the top. They were. And, you know, speaking of gifts, I'll conclude with this. This might have been my favorite gift that she's ever been given at the end of this book. Really? Because I hated it. You hated it? Why? So, listeners, these people who have been held in captivity for five years, forced to imitate priceless ceramics, are like, you know what? I'm going to imitate a priceless ceramic one more time for our friend Nancy Drew. No, it was an original. I know, but girl. And then they, they paint her fighting a dragon. Yeah, which was supposed to represent the four bad guys. I hate it. And she was protecting all of them. They were all standing behind her. Marie Kondo would say, reduce clutter in your home. Get this hand-painted no, ceramic Marie out Kondo of your house. Marie Kondo would say, does this spark joy? And Nancy and think- would say no, because her thank you speech was fake AF. <laughs> See, I thought it was very sweet. She was like, I'm so gl- Okay, now that I'm saying it again, I think you're right. She called them her three best friends. And I'm like, you met it's them true. 13 minutes ago. They, these are not your George best George and Bess are over here like, thanks a lot, sister. I'll see like, myself yeah. out. But okay, fair enough. It was a little over the top now that I say it. All I'm right, sorry. I retract everything. I do like that I've learned reverse Santa, which is climbing up a chimney. With nothing I but mean, your wit and fortitude. I mean, it's not a real thing. I just made it up, Karen. It's not someone's, like there's like a group of reverse Santas out there. Someone's climbed up a chimney before. Guarantee it. I'm sure they have. Probably in Mary Poppins all the time. Oh, Bert. Anyway. <laughs> oh, oh, Bert. <laughs> Bless his heart. Do you, uh, Kelly, do you have anything, I know you do, with this book that you're like, it would have been awesome if, like, please hack this plot and make it better. I can't. See, I really liked it. So I was coming from a slightly different perspective, but I do have one very small change that I would like to see made. Okay. And then I'll, I'll I'll kick the ball to you. Maybe you can improve things more than me on this one because, you know, I have a skewed perspe- perspective. But I will say I long for an exit strategy. You have um, longed for an exit strategy for several books. It started in the Cave of Counterfeiters. It did. Like, let's not go into in literal enclosures that we know what's behind, that we can't get out without a way to get, it makes no freaking sense to me. So I, I will say that I recognize that Nancy got peer pressured into going back into the clay pit enclosure against her better judgment. And like, I think people pleasing is something we need to talk about at a future point, maybe work In on. But therapy, like, perhaps. Yeah. But that's not why we're here. So I will say when you enter an enclosure that you know contains a gigantic vicious dog and a whole slew of criminals who have like kidnapped people, perhaps go in with a get out plan. So I would have loved it if Nancy had taken a quick swing by her kitchen on the way out the door before heading to the enclosure and tucked a large packet into her purse. Later, when everyone's trapped in the kiln guarded by the giant mastiff, 
Nancy remembers the package, pulls it triumphantly from her purse, and edges toward the dog as she quietly unwraps it. <gasps> the dog's head jerks up at the smell of the delicious raw steaks Nancy has just unwrapped. She calls on all of her baseball skills and launches the steaks as hard as she can over the fence. The dog parkours right over the <laughs> fence, and Nancy leads her friends to safety. Yes. I'm applauding. That's the get-out plan. That steaks, was dog. Steaks. Throw them. I think this is a clapback to our earlier conversation about how a clutch is not an effective could Can't fit satchel. steaks in a clutch. No, Just you saying. can't fit a full nope. steak for a ravenous dog in there. Uh-uh. You sure can't. Beautiful. So, do you have a recommendation? No, I don't. But I do have some things I added to Nancy's resume. Fantastic. Let me have them. For the first time, Nancy Drew babysat a child. Yeah, I hated it. She was on the clock responsible for the life of a child. Mm-hmm. Kelly, she did a very bad job. Mm-hmm. She left the baby on the porch of the house, mm-hmm. sauntered back into the house and was like, oh, thank God it fell asleep. Now I can continue to work on my case. Exactly. Uh, an infant! Yeah. Well, in her defense, it's exactly what the mother does at the wedding. They also leave that baby outside, outside. in the carriage while they're all inside partying. That's true. That's true. I was like, will you just like leave her with the valet? Little Susie is going to have some beef to work well, out they, later they in her also, life. They also did not call her Susie, which I felt was a miss. They call her Baby Sue, baby which Sue. does not work for me. Kelly? I know we're going to get an email. We're going to get an email. <laughs> um, Nancy Drew is also a treasurer of an organization. Oh, yeah. This is on the, page yeah. one. It's like an unnamed charity organization, which she uh-huh. is involved in with Bess. They have a rummage sale. They are driving home from the rummage sale, clutching their purses in terror because they have so much cash in the car, which we learned is $325, I believe. And, and like uh-huh. 13 cents, they specify the cents, which I was so <laughs> charmed by. I was like, oh. Don't want to embezzle from the rummage sale. No. And they're like, oh, God, I hope we get to the bank without anyone hijacking us. Um, and I guess that makes sense because Nancy is as we know to be true, fairly good with numbers, and she's she's a trustworthy lady. Oh, I thought you were going to say she's hijack prone. Also that. Yeah, I was like, I mean, there is an excellent chance that they get hijacked with this money She is kidnapped once per day. Um, two things Nancy is not good at. These are like minuses from Nancy's resume. I feel like for the first time, we actively discussed something that was like, Nancy cannot do this, which was pottery. Did she can't do pottery? She kept saying like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to take a class on this. I, I guess I better go to oh, Dick Milton's class. Right. Like, this is really hard. Not her forte. Which Not everything else that comes she's, her way, yeah. Suddenly, she's really a, a master, a yeah. tap dance champion, and a <laughs> incredible magician's assistant. And it's yeah, true. I don't if, know. You're right. You're right. If things had followed, she would have been able to sit down in the forger's camp and started yeah. cranking stuff out too so she would have an etsy shop like come on <laughs> so nancy is not good at pottery and then yeah. finally my other ding on nancy in this book uh she did better as you said but yet again reckless and that there's a burglar that breaks into her home she oh, comes back this. to the house with her friend and family mem- family member Hannah Hannah Gruen is a family member yeah 
They're like, someone has definitely broken into this house. They're definitely still here. Absolutely, Mm -hmm. incredibly dangerous. Mm -hmm. Hannah, go around the back. You take the back door. I'll take the front door and we'll catch him by surprise in the middle. Hated it. Bad idea, city. This is how every horror movie starts. I absolutely just hated it. Like, what are you talking about? And as luck would have it, as it often does in the Nancy Drew series, the burglar was like, oh no, I've been caught by surprise. I got to pop out this window and daintily flood the scene without, uh, anyway. So Karen, open questions. I think it's that time. It is. I have one open question. Is it, this is, these are like the things y'all that will keep us up at night about this book. Mm -hmm. Did Nancy get paid for that babysitting job? Hell no. You think she just did it as a favor? Absolutely. Yes. No. She Nancy doesn't get paid for anything. She needs to break the glass ceiling. She has made zero dollars in 30 books. She has spent so many dollars. She has. In 30 books. So many dollars. And made zero. And she's she's like in debt up to her eyeballs on like, you know, crash boat payments. Can you imagine what her insurance is? She's wrecked 14 convertibles. I know. She's got them all stolen. That was hyperbolic, but No, it's but it's very close. It's a it's a close number. And at this point, didn't her didn't her car get stolen in this one? And like she looked for it for like fifteen minutes and then went, Well, I guess it's gone and went home and was like, Gee Willikers, Dad, sorry, I lost another one. He's like, Don't worry, don't worry, babe. I'll have another one in the driveway with a bow on the hood (laughs) tomorrow. What color do you want this time? (laughs) <laughs> Probably the same uh, how one. about you any uh any open questions karen i had an open question about attractive hipster potter dick milton mm-hmm. who was a central figure in this book very yes at one point nancy has to go break into the cult compound mm-hmm. she goes to his home mm-hmm. uh, maybe this is tied in with the babysitting situation but his wife tells her i have just what you need in the basement, Dick has a rope ladder replete with grappling hooks that sound <laughs> perfect for this. Can you explain to me why in 1949 River Heights, <laughs> hipster, potter, local business owner, new father, kind, gentle soul, Dick Milton, has a rope ladder with <laughs> grappling hooks in his basement? I- <laughs> Karen, I literally had not even stopped to think about that, but you bring up a really great point. I can't, I can't, like, it, now that I'm thinking about it, it sounds a little shady. It's not good, right? It, no. No matter how you stack it. No Dick matter has, how you stack it. Dick has mad secrets. <laughs> no matter how you stack it, Dick's going over some walls, he right? Had, like, you don't just have that. Uh-uh. Whimsically. I don't have one. No. Do I? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to think like, okay, well, could it be like a fire escape thing that you put? No, because like, it's in the basement. A oh, fair point. <laughs> if it's for escaping in the event of an incendiary event, you no, throw right. that in your attic from that's clambering right. down from the top level. It's not your that's basement, right. Kelly. No, I mean, you're totally right. I think he's a murderer. <laughs> I'm I, just going to leave or, it at that. Or a cat burglar. I don't like it. Mm. Is he Batman? Richard Milton. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Richard. <laughs> Richard. Bless his heart. 
So Karen, this week we are rating The Clue of the Leaning Chimney out of 12 possible dogs with rabies. (laughs) Which we're not saying that that dog definitely had rabies, but that dog probably definitely had rabies. Without any question in my mind, that dog was not okay. So what sayest thou? 8 out of 12. Oh. Yeah, and that was... was upped from my original rating really karen i'm shocked okay go on this book was so complicated it was so complicated i needed like three less mysteries to solve okay the phrase tangled ball of yarn (laughs) comes to mind (laughs) um i did however in my rating i started with six i added an additional dog with rabies because i liked that the servant in the book was the secret brother the whole time Mm, i did like that and I added one more dog with rabies because that same character had the best villain language we have seen to date. It was very... That's a bold claim. It was very Bond villainy. He was like, this isn't a direct quote, but he goes, <laughs> curiosity killed the cat, Miss Drew. That must feel relatable right now. Or something similar. <laughs> and I was like, love it. I it knocked my socks Bond off. Villainy. Yeah. yeah. So originally six With out of 12 quotes. raised to eight out of 12 because of that one character being amazing. Interesting. Well, what did you give it? I've got the hiccups now. Um, I gave it 11 out of 12. <gasps> I'm not surprised. I could tell I this whole time it. that you were, you were feeling the vibe. Yeah, I loved it. Um, like we, we got lots of Scooby-Dooing around. I liked the descriptive language. I liked peering through the palm fronds. I liked the subway adventure. Um, I love some forensic investigation. Mm-hmm. Ned mm-hmm. was a doll baby. Loved him. Um, I like that we got to do a bunch of fun, fun things like go to New York and go to a wedding and buy a dress. Um, so I just gave it a minus one because they tried to slip a fake Helen in on us. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. But Helen yeah, Corning. I mean, we, we diverged in a snowy wood on this one. We did. Yeah. Robert, so, Fo- Robert Frost. Thank you. You know me. Or more aptly, you know Robert Frost. <laughs> oh, maybe you know a little, me that I quote Robert Frost. Maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> so Karen, what are we reading next week? Oh, Kelly, we are reading The Secret of the Wooden Lady, which Mm. I am delighted to report takes place entirely on a clipper ship in the Boston Harbor. Ooh. Do you have any hypotheses about what will happen? (laughs) Listen, I don't want to get reductive here, but something bad's going to happen to that boat. That boat is in a bad place. Yep, yep. Well, friends... This brings us to our finale, a.k.a. please do us a solid rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, find us on Instagram at It's a Clue Podcast. And also, as of recently, if you are so inclined, but no pressure, please become a Helen Corning friend on Patreon. It's it means you're a bestie of the show and of us. Um, We'll give you a shout out on the show when you become a patron and our patrons will get to vote on our super sleuth titles, the next of which will be coming in hot in December. Which will be in like one second based on how this year is going. It's crazy. Uh, And Karen, remember what we learned today in Nancy Drew and the clue of the leaning chimney. What, Kelly? Center your clay or your chimney will inevitably lean. (sighs) Wisdom. That's a a pottery joke. Is it? It's not really a joke. It's just pottery. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's just for real. <laughs> well, and with that, happy, happy sleuthing. It's a Clue is hosted by Kelly Biscopink and Karen Farmer. Our logo is designed by Courtney Kyle. You can find her on social media at I am Courtney Kyle. The It's a Clue theme song was written and recorded by Danny W. You can find her on Facebook at Danny W Music. Audio engineering is graciously done by our friend Mark Goodlow. <laughs> <laughs>